So our meditation is one verse in John, John 19, verse 41. And just, uh, just listen to this. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. This is the time of year when we start thinking about gardening again. And it's only been in the last couple of days that we could kind of catch a glimpse that it's coming around the corner with the sun and 50-degree weather. Um, And I know we have some very dedicated gardeners here at Faith CRC. I'm pretty sure we have people who have won gardening prizes, in fact. My wife, Sarah, loves gardening. She hasn't had an opportunity to do it on any sort of grand scale yet. But just last year, we experimented with uh, square foot gardening. Maybe you've heard of it. I I won't get all into it, but it went really well. And and we're going to do that again this year. And I I helped her kind of get it set up. She did the main gardening, but it was a fun project together. We think of gardening, the rich, dark soil, planting seeds, or in some cases, little plants, watering that garden, seeing flowers blossom, watching fruit and vegetables and maybe herbs grow, harvesting all of that. Gardens are one of those great gifts that God has given us to enjoy. And here in our text, the Bible speaks of a garden. By the cross of all places, by that most cruel place where our Savior died. Jesus' tomb was in a garden, and maybe you were aware of that. And if you were, I don't know about you, but I always pictured and thought that that garden where Jesus was buried was a ways away from the cross. So they, they, they took his body and, and traveled a ways. I'm thinking a mile or two away. But that's actually not the case. We read at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden right there by the cross. It's very interesting, a garden by the cross. And as I reflected on that and looked into this more, I realized that the idea of a garden comes up more often in Scripture and that there's actually something pretty cool in God's plan about building and nurturing a garden for his people. God created a garden in the very beginning, Eden. He, he went into the dirt of that garden. And he created man out of that dirt, Adam. And in the beginning, everything was good there in the Garden of Eden. Life blossomed and came forth. Mankind was called to be fruitful and multiply. God came and he walked with Adam and Eve. God's glory was there and it shone forth. God was with his people. It wasn't just good. It was very good. But then Adam and Eve sinned, 
And the seed of death was sown in that garden of God. And our first parents were sent out. But already in Genesis 3, we find a promise of God that that vision, that idea of his garden would be kept alive. He wouldn't just let it end there with death. Later on, the land of Canaan is described as a beautiful garden. That's the land God's people were to enter into, the promised land. Spies came back with these incredibly luscious fruits, and God brought them into that fertile land. But because of the sins of the people over the years, that garden, too, wilted. It never became the place it was supposed to be. A place for God to be present with his people. A place for his glory to shine forth to his people. But from there to the whole world, to the nations. Despite the people's sin, just like back in Genesis, God would still keep the vision alive. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they all prophesy of the hope to come. And they put it this way, you will be a well-watered garden, says the Lord. The reality is that all throughout the history of the world, our covenant disobedience keeps creating a blight. And yet God never does let go of the idea of his garden. Jesus would come to earth, and then near the very end of his public ministry, uh, the time, the end of Passion Week that we're focusing on tonight, at the very end of his public ministry, he walked into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he struggled and agonized with the challenge of, and pain of what it would take for that garden of God to be restored. He wrestled with that, but then he went forward with the divine plan. And then in the darkness of the cross, we find that God is digging and he's determined to plant and produce his glorious garden. It would take the cross and the resurrection for the garden to truly come to life. When Jesus was in the grave during that bleakest of times, it turns out that God was planting a seed, a seed that would blossom and rise again after three days. And now, from all of that, out of all of that, his church blossoms and we work, and we dig in the soil, and we sow the seeds of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit waters so that the church becomes Eden, full-bloomed, and God's people bear fruit. Yeah, here in the church, but everywhere we go, in our homes, at our schools, at work, in our nation, in our land. And yet, yet sometimes it still looks pretty grim. 
Sometimes we feel like wilted flowers and shriveled up fruit. Anybody ever feel that way? I do. We feel sometimes parched in a dry and weary land. Our strength sapped as in the heat of summer as we're striving to live for Jesus and serve him and just be faithful to him. But it's, it's so hard sometimes, all the challenges of life. And we have to still go to gravesides. And we have to say goodbye to loved ones. The hardest struggle of all. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that when we're at the graveside, that ultimate sign and that ultimate result of sin and the fall, even in that most ultimate thing, death, Paul says when we're at a graveside, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, that's a seed. For God's garden is being planted. And he says one day there's going to be a great harvest when Jesus returns. And so, friends, we don't give up. We keep planting. We keep working. As a church, we keep watering. We keep planting more seeds. We keep bringing in people and loving them and serving them and equipping them so that their gifts can bear fruit everywhere. You see, we've been entrusted with the work of tending the garden that's been watered with the blood of Jesus. And so, that garden of all things by the cross, it reminds us of God's vision and plan of a garden and how though sin causes its flowers to wilt, the cross would be the spade for the growth and the restoration of that garden. And now, with the waters of the Holy Spirit pouring on us and the seed of the Word, we tend it, we work in it, we bear fruit for God's glory. And then, when the trumpet sounds, that last trumpet, we'll enter into the new Jerusalem, heaven. And in that great city, we read in Revelation 22, there's going to be a marvelous garden, the tree of life will thrive on both sides of the river of life, the river of God, and it will bear fruit. All of this is happening, and it will happen because of the cross. And so, when you think of the garden of God, remember and celebrate the cross. And when you think of the cross, remember the garden of God and may you yourself and we together be active in the garden of God. May we be toiling for its growth, working towards its full blooming one day in heaven and be bearing fruit for God's glory with the waters of the Holy Spirit refreshing us day by day and week by week and the blood of Jesus shed on the cross ever our source of life. Amen.